Welcome to The Investigation. I'm Chris Blasto, Senior Executive Producer here at ABC News. I'm joined by the two senior members of our investigative team, John Santucci and Matt Moss, who've been covering Donald Trump since he's got into the race and has continued to do so up until the Mueller report has gotten released. It's been five days since the Mueller report came out, and, and there seems to be a little bit of movement in the Democratic Party. That impeachment seemed to be off the table categorically, but now some of the congressional leaders seem to be moving in a different direction and calling for possible impeachment. But you'll start to notice now with this podcast, we have changed the artwork. We have removed Robert Mueller from the art and we have replaced it with Donald Trump. And we're doing that because the investigations obviously are going to continue over the next couple of years, whether it's impeachment, whether it's the Government Affairs and Oversight Committee or the battle for his tax returns. Uh, Here at ABC News, we know that investigations fortunately or unfortunately, are not going to go away for this president. So we will continue to do this as the investigations continue. But let's first get to our guest today, Terry Moran. Terry, as I said before, it seems like Democrats are kind of opening the door to possible impeachment. Nancy Pelosi has made it clear to her members that she is resistant to impeach this president over the Mueller report. But however, over the weekend, Jerry Nadler, who's the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, seemed to open the door. Let's take a listen. Do you think this is impeachable? Yeah, I do. I do think that this, if proven, if proven, uh, which hasn't been proven yet, some of this, uh, if proven, some of this would be impeachable, yes. All right, Obstruction Cong- of justice, if proven, would be impeachable. And you're going to go about to see if you can prove it? Well, we're going to see where the facts lead us. So, Terry, what do you make of this? Do you think impeachment's going to happen? Well, I don't think uh, impeachment is going to happen at the end of the day, no. Uh, Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, doesn't want it. It makes no sense for Democrats. But they're in a bind because so many Democrats demand it. And, and there is this issue. You know, what's impeachment for? Is it really uh, the indictment that will lead to the trial in the Senate and the removal from office? Or is it to vindicate the rule of law for a president who, as Robert Mueller acknowledged, can't be indicted under Justice Department policy? And if he can't be indicted and you can't impeach him and he's done something that you believe is truly corrupt, what's the answer? Because if if they do impeach the president, and I I don't think they will, but it's a futile gesture. They need 20 votes. They need votes. They need two-thirds of the Senate, basically, 67 votes in the, in the Senate, and they will never get that. And do you think they should try, though, to censure, or is that also just kind of meaningless? I think that's a great idea, but, uh, but uh, you know, it, it hasn't been done before. But, yes, I think creative thinking around if if you are concerned with what's in the Mueller report, with the way that the president has been exposed as welcoming, publicly welcoming uh, help from Russia, even though uh, there was no conspiracy proven. You know, Steve Bannon famously said that we couldn't collude with state Republican parties, much less the Kremlin. Uh, If you do believe more seriously that the president actively tried to thwart this uh, investigation, censures one way but I, I was persuaded by uh, one of the Democratic candidates, I, I can't remember, who said impeachment is, at the end of the day, a political process. And there's another political process coming up, re-election campaign. And he said, I'd rather 
beat Trump in Wisconsin and other places, then lose to him in the Senate by 20 votes and guarantee a second term because the public would be so fed up with impeachment. So uh, there, I think, I think if you are, for those people who are concerned and lots of Democrats are concerned, they do need to get creative. I think that the forces are against a successful impeachment. Uh, one of the theories that's out there is sort of a, if you build it, they will come. In other words, if you hold impeachment hearings and you have a series of high-profile witnesses come forward, that over time you're going to build public support for the idea that the president should be removed from office, that it's a cart before the horse issue. Is there something to that? Is that an approach that you think Democrats could get behind? Or ultimately, is that not enough? I think that's a a very good idea for for this reason. This is a 400-page dense report. I think a lot of people have been confused by the coverage so far, and I've been part of it, so mea culpa. But public hearings, well-structured, that aim to bring out the alleged misconduct of the president uh, through uh, star witnesses like Robert Mueller, perhaps like Don McGahn, the, the uh, White House counselor, those kinds of things could bring out the most damning aspects, what was found in this investigation that's most damning to the president in ways that the, pre- that the public could get and I mean, grasp. if this is a political process, you're talking about essentially mounting a campaign to discredit the president in the, in the Congress. To, to prove misconduct. And I think regardless of where one stands on impeachment, those hearings are a good idea, right? The, 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 what is in that report, every American should know. But doesn't it surprise you? I mean, you look at now, we're four months into this new Congress, almost five. Um, so far, the only star public witness they've done on anything has been Michael Cohen. They have not uh, moved forward on some of the other items they've talked about, the uh, conversations about Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump's security clearances. We haven't heard that for the last several weeks. It does feel like things are outside of the Mueller report. Just the overall apparatus of this Democratic Congress is a little slow. That's really interesting. They, they may sense that that the public, if you do something like that, mm-hmm. you'll want to hit pay dirt. You've got to deliver the goods. They don't want to be. They don't want to hear months more of this stuff without a payoff at the end. And it may be uh, certainly if you if you look at the Mueller report, you see these instances that the that the Mueller team felt could be obstruction of justice, but. It's not Nixon, right? This is the thing we were talking earlier, John. Mm-hmm. Right? Nixon was suitcases full of cash to buy the silence of witnesses. It was his, he organized a conspiracy to get people to perjure themselves. He abused his power. He shredded millions of documents. He used the executive privilege issue to, to thwart a due, investi- a due investigation. And, you know, a closing argument for Trump in a, in a court of law would be obstruction of justice? He turned over a million documents. He never raised executive privilege. Mueller All of his aides. Well, but Mueller Terry, was never fired. All of his aides right. testified with his permission without hindrance. But Terry, let's also let, you know, Rudy Giuliani said over the weekend, he made the case that said even getting information from Russians wouldn't be illegal. Let's hear what Rudy had to say. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with taking information from Russians. There's nothing it, wrong with taking information. It depends information. on where it came from. It depends on where it came from. You're assuming that the giving of information is a campaign contribution. You read the report carefully. What do you think about that, Terry? 
America's mayor, huh? long way down. Uh, I, because I, I think he may be right on the law, but he said nothing wrong. He said there's nothing wrong with taking information from the Kremlin to win an American election. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be biased here. That's wrong. You shouldn't take information. You shouldn't gleefully take information from the Kremlin in order to win an American election. Well, wait, 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 wait. But let me let me let me look at it the other way though. The Hillary Clinton campaign hired a law firm that hired Glenn Simpson, gave him a million dollars, who then went and got a spy from the British government who went to Russia to dig up dirt on Donald Trump. Very who, different. Very, very different. Really? I know they, yeah, they try to make it the same. That, that's not the Kremlin. That's a British citizen running around Moscow trying to see what, what information he could develop on Trump's ties to Moscow. This is the Kremlin. This is the KGB, what he's saying, hey, Donald Trump, we've got dirt on Hillary Clinton. Donald Trump Jr. saying, hey, that sounds great. Now, that may not break a law. It may not be espionage or anything like that. But that sounds wrong to me. Is it wrong for uh, uh, political campaigns to hire people to go to other countries to see if the business dealings in other countries could be used against the candidate? It's, it's dirty. But taking from another government, asking, uh, seeking help, they were explicitly told at the Trump Tower meeting, this is the Russian government mm-hmm. wanting to sabotage our election by giving you some dirt. That's different than hiring a British citizen to go rummaging, to go whispering around. But we don't really know where he got that information from. Did he get it from the Kremlin? We don't know. Do we well, know where Chris Well, it seemed as though the, 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 the candidate Trump knew where the information was coming from when he said, Russia, if you're listening, I would love Hillary Clinton's 30,000 emails, right? True. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I just think that, that if we're going to have any standards, it, it should be don't accept help from a foreign adversary, hostile government. Look, I mean, is it, is it nice that people you know, run around and dig up dirt on their opponents? No. But he has tried to conflate the hiring of a British citizen to investigate his, uh, Trump's alleged activities in Russia from the direct offer of assistance from the Kremlin itself. And that's a big difference, and it matters. Well, Terry, you know, I just want to take the 30,000 view here for a second on this report. You and I were talking about this earlier, um, about what people take away from this report and what they learn about Donald Trump. Um, and Kellyanne Conway was out on the shows uh, this weekend. She was asked about um, the president's conduct overall and, and about, um, you know, the the honorability of uh, Don McGahn, the White House counsel, and Robert Mueller for the course of the 22-month investigation. This is what Conway told Martha Raddatz on Sunday. I believe that Don McGahn is an honorable attorney who stayed on the job 18 months after this alleged incident took place, and that if he were being asked to obstruct justice or violate the Constitution or commit a crime, help to commit a crime by the President of the United States, he wouldn't have stayed. I certainly wouldn't stay. The President is, it was rightly frustrated and trying to, like everybody else tries to do, make an ill-conceived, illegitimate investigation that's produced no collusion, no criminal conspiracy, no indictment, no impeachment of this president. So what Conway was asked by Martha was reacting uh, to one of the sections of the report where the president and McGahn are having this conversation about uh, a New York Times story, which ABC confirmed that the president uh, wanted to fire special counsel Robert Mueller, asked McGahn about it. The story said McGahn 
McGahn uh, said no, and the president wanted him to go out there and say the story was completely untrue and they never had such a conversation, and McGahn rebuffed him. But what this brought to me, though, Terry, is that, and you, you and I were talking about this this morning, actually, that when you look at this report for me as somebody who's covered this president since he was a candidate, that I think if you really read the whole thing, you understand how naive Donald Trump mm. could be into trusting so many people around him, you know, flying off the handles, thinking that the West Wing is very much like Trump Tower. That's a that's a generous and plausible way of looking at this at this president. He was, after all, a complete rookie when it came to political office. He'd never held it, never held anything but the head of a family business. Uh, which runs in a different way than 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 a Fortune 500 corporation, and so he was he was used to, and frankly, in a rather sharp business way. Right? Ask all the contractors that got shafted by the by the Trump organization. So he's used to cutting corners uh, and to saying fire this guy and that guy getting fired, and that is a that is a plausible way. But at some point, it had to sink in because he was told that. The presidency is different. A government is different. The enforcement of law is different. And firing Mueller, you know, could legitimately be seen as obstruction of justice. What I took away, and I think that's a great point, and Kellyanne Conway there saying, well, McGahn stayed on. You know, McGahn told these things to investigators under penalty of perjury. So it happened as far as, you know, Don McGahn didn't make something up, it seems to me. It happened that Trump asked him to uh, fire Mueller and then to lie about that he asked him to fire Mueller. Uh, And that does reflect on Trump's experience or lack thereof, but also his character. But Terry, you know, I heard from a lot of Republicans over the weekend that said to me, listen, he in his mind believed he did not collude with the Russians. So then this whole investigation goes forward and he's fighting back and he's saying, the hell with you. Why are you coming after me? Why is there a special counsel? This makes no sense because I didn't. So I'm going to fight back. Doesn't he have the right to fight back? Yes. I actually think he does. I, I, I think that's a good point. I'm not sure about these particular circumstances, but Barr, in his famous 20-page memo, to or maybe it was in, actually in the in the in the famous four infamous four-page summary, a couple of a couple of famous memos, but he said, imagine a, a presidential election happens and the other party wins. So imagine a Democrat wins in November of 2020. And in between November of 2020 and January of 2021, the outgoing president, pretend it's Donald Trump, decides to launch an investigation against the incoming president to discredit him or her. And there's a U.S. attorney or somebody handling that investigation. The, the incoming president has to be able to fire that person. If it's a Trump, if it's a trumped up, bogus investigation, they have to be able to fire because not all investigations are equal. But that's the point. This I mean, was a on the one hand, that, that was a very persuasive argument against this being an obstruction case, right? That correct. That the the president has every right to fight back if he's being, if in fact he's being wrongly accused of something. On the other hand, there are four hundred pages here that suggest that there was some basis for the investigation. That it wasn't a developed out of whole cloth. And that, that Chris is right about that, though. At the bottom of it, one guy knew that he was innocent. Donald Trump. He, so, it, yes, there were 140 contacts between Trump uh, or campaign uh, and, and presidency 
officials and the Russian government or agents of the Russian government, mm -hmm. 140. So there was a legitimate basis, good faith basis to investigate this. But at the bottom of it, the president was like, I know I didn't do this. Uh, at the end of the day, he was well served by his staff who said, if you didn't do it, you're innocent. They aren't going to find anything and you'll be fine. And, and they could understand the temptation he would have to want to fire the investigator to strike back at the people who were making these accusations, which he believed, which he knew to be false. To be baseless. That, that, not baseless, but false. Because they, as, as Ben said, they, they couldn't, they couldn't uh, collude with themselves, basically. I remember the, well, I started doubting that there was any there there in this investigation the first time I saw Carter Page interviewed. And I said, this is not... This is not some arch expert international conspirator, man of mystery. You know, I was like, this guy's kind of a wackadoodle, you know. And, <laughs> and if you were the Kremlin, would you trust Carter Page or these other types like Natalia Veselnitskaya, who I interviewed in Moscow, who also seemed rather daffy to me, to with the, an incredibly sensitive, critical, secret operation against the United States? No. And no one else was prosecuted for that as well. So mm. this argument of saying that the president can't be prosecuted and that may have protected him. No, not one person was prosecuted for conspiring with the Russians. Well, and also, I mean, I think that for those of us who have been doing this every day for nearly the last two years, I mean, certain individuals that had come up over the course of this investigation, like it is interesting that, you know, the, the way that things sort of went over the last two years to think some of these individuals that we were convinced there had to be something there based on what we were hearing, what questions were being asked of all these witnesses that were brought in either for interviews or to the grand jury, that a lot of them ended up not really going anywhere as of now. I mean, I, I do think the one bit of caution on all of this, and I know, Chris, you mentioned this at the top here, that we've changed the artwork to reflect that, Things will go on. I mean, R Robert Mueller's team referred out um, over a dozen uh, cases that they were, you know, they flagged to them to other jurisdictions. We don't know where some of them are going to go. Some of them are still going to be ongoing uh, with U.S. attorneys' offices, like Roger Stone, that that case is really at the moment just in its infancy. And you saw uh, what Adam Schiff said uh, over the weekend, talking about where this matter may be headed. Maybe we want to hear that now. You, you went farther than saying ample ev evidence. You once described to me on this program that the Trump administration's actions related to the Russia probe are, quote, of a size and scope probably beyond Watergate. What do you say now? Well, I think it's clear from the Mueller report that that's exactly right. Uh, the obstruction of justice uh, in particular in this case is far worse than anything that Richard Nixon did. Uh, the, uh, the, the break in by the Russians of the democratic institutions, a foreign adversary far more significant than the plumbers breaking into the democratic headquarters. So yes, I would say in every way this is more significant than Watergate. Uh, and the fact that a candidate for president and now a president of the United States would not only not stand up and resist Russian interference in our election, but would welcome it, goes well beyond anything Nixon did. Hey, Terry, just remind me, um, who hired the team to go and break into the Democratic National Headquarters during the Nixon era? Well, it was the president. So, A, there was an underlying crime. He's right. It wasn't anywhere near as serious as the hack of the DNC. But there was an actual crime. They, they broke in to try to commit political skullduggery, and then there was a gigantic conspiracy to obstruct the investigation into that crime, far, far more explicit and worse 
than anything Trump did with the suitcase. Not to mention they broke into Daniel Ellsberg's doctor's psychiatric office. I mean, the list of crimes of the Richard Nixon administration is far more significant Very than, much was, so. what, than outlined. I agree. Uh, there was something else that Schiff said there that, that's worth mentioning, though. He said the, the, the way that Trump welcomed Russian interference. And I think that one of the things that, that has so many people upset about Trump and the reason that they're determined in some ways, committed spiritually, that this investigation result in his impeachment and removal from office is because he trashes so many norms of American civic behavior and presidential leadership. One, and that is one of the reasons that the Democrats should hold hearings on the House, in the House, because whether they're impeachment hearings or otherwise, because this report catalogs the contempt that this president has for telling the American public the truth. I think also the unanswered questions, the questions that are not resolved by the Mueller report, namely, why does the president speak one way about Vladimir Putin and other ways about other world leaders? And that fealty to the Russians has really defied explanation, I think, from pretty much anybody. Well, and I was going to say say it on that point, Matt. I think it, it goes back to during the campaign, I mean, you remember the first time uh, the president used a press conference to call to Russia, and it was, Russia, if you're listening, if you've got Hillary's emails, put them all out there. And it was, you know, as we've learned from that report now, it was shortly thereafter that everything started to go with the domino effect of what WikiLeaks was up to. Well, I I think that 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 is why people are so upset. People see in Trump not just a disruptor, but somebody who's out to destroy some of the ways and norms that we've had in the past that presidents should behave. And this this report does catalog it. As for Putin, I was in Helsinki, and I saw General Kelly, then chief of staff, and Ambassador Huntsman, and they were just looking at their shoes the whole time as Trump refused to stand up for America to the Russian dictator. As Trump sold our own intelligence community down the river, saying, well, you know, he, he says no, our intelligence community says yes, you know, so I don't know who to believe. It was, it was a bizarre and nauseating performance that, that does in some ways defy explanation. And that's why we have a lot more to investigate of Donald Trump in the future. Thank you so much, Terry. Thanks, Could Chris. talk to you forever. <laughs> it's a good time. Terry, thanks for joining us. Coming up, we speak to Congressman Eric Swalwell, and he not only is opening up the door to impeachment, but he is also running for president. And we'll see what he has to say coming up after the break. Welcome back to The Investigation. I'm Chris Vlasto, Senior Executive Producer here at ABC News, and I'm here with the co-captains of our D.C. team, John Santucci and Matt Mosk, who've been leading the coverage of Donald Trump since he entered the race for president. And also we are joined by Catherine Falders, who covers the White House and has also covered Trump and is part of our investigative team. But let's get started. And now joining us by phone is Congressman Eric Swalwell. He's a member of both the House Judiciary and House Intelligence Committee. But what also makes him different, he's joined the ranks of the almost 20 presidential Democratic candidates. So we'll see how the Mueller report is going to play during the 2020 election. Welcome to the show, Congressman. The Mueller report is out. What do you think, Congressman? Are you going to have impeachment hearings? Well, we're certainly having a conversation about how we hold this president accountable. I mean, there, there's the contacts that he and his campaign had 
with the Russians, which may not have amounted to criminal culpability, but certainly are concerning and uh, are, are not going away, that the Russians will continue to interfere. And if we don't set some you know, boundaries around what is acceptable conduct for a campaign or a presidency, uh, we could lose you know, our democracy to future interference attacks. And then on obstruction, he's a double-digit obstructor. Uh, Bob Mueller laid that out. Uh, one of the reasons he's not indicted, it looks like, is because Mueller uh, believed that he couldn't indict a sitting president. And so that puts that uh, on Congress. And you know, what we have to ask ourselves is if, if we do nothing, uh, you know, what does that mean for future presidencies? What does that mean for you know, the, the standard of conduct that we accept uh, in our democracy? And so the first step is to bring Bob Mueller in. We're going to do that uh, in the next few weeks. But what is there to do? Nancy Pelosi is saying we're not, you know, impeachment is off the table. I mean, what is the purpose? What what would it solve to investigate? We kind of know all the facts. So, you, I wouldn't say impeachment's off the table. It's certainly not for me, and I, I don't speak for the speaker, but I, the statement I read from her yesterday is that, you know, we're, we're going to do our job. We're having a conversation on Monday uh, as a caucus. And, you know, I, again, I think it's easy to contrast a president who rushes to judgment and makes quick conclusions about everything uh, without any evidence, and then you see responsibility in governing and wanting to have a rule of law and not just rushing to judgment and think, well, why aren't they doing that? Why aren't they treating Trump the way that he treats them? And that's just because we think he's wrong to do that. So we're not going to do that ourselves. But it doesn't mean he's not going to be held accountable. But, you know, I I, I did a bunch of radio shows recently talking around the country, and, and I noticed that this country is just truly polarized. When you go to the southern states and you talk to the radio stations there, they'll tell you, they'll say to people, listen, this was a president that was, uh, the underlying charge wasn't a crime, and he was protecting himself, and he was fighting back, and he has every right to protect himself. If he's an innocent man, you know, and, and he can use his power to defend himself, you know, that's what a lot of the stations were saying. Do you think it's not going to, are you going to have any impact on those people? Well, what I would ask people to do is if, if you read the report, and you see the 200 pages in volume one of all the contacts and all the green lights that the Trump team gave to the Russians and the expectation that they had that Russia would help them. How can you say we want to see that again in a future election, even if it didn't amount to a crime? You know, do we have a responsibility, first and foremost, to protect our democracy through our intelligence apparatus from this happening again? And should we now have the imagination to write laws that prohibit the contacts that occurred just because a prior Congress didn't imagine that someone would act in the way uh, that we've seen doesn't mean that a future Congress shouldn't try and do this. And that's why I've written legislation uh, last year called duty to protect and it would put a burden on any campaign campaign family member or candidate uh, to tell the FBI if they're getting approaches like uh, the Trump team were getting from the Russians. So if that's your objective, what is the right process for the Judiciary Committee, for the Intel Committee, both of which you sit on, to accomplish that? Because it does seem like bringing Mueller in really may not produce that much. Isn't he just going to say to you, uh, I'll just refer you to, to what I wrote in the report? Well, we are subpoenaing, and, and, the, and Chairman Nadler uh, has just recently sent off subpoenas for the full report. So the grand jury information, the personal protected information and the ongoing investigation information. And, and it's our belief that Congress should receive all of that, and then we can release to the public 
uh, and protect anything that's ongoing or has sources and methods. But we, sh- we should have a full understanding of what occurred uh, here. That's how we protect future elections. That's how we hold anyone accountable that may not have met criminal culpability, but the Constitution still allows us uh, to hold them accountable. And that's how we you know, also get a view into, especially in the Intelligence Committee, what the Russians are doing and may do in the future or what other countries with similar capabilities uh, could do to us if we don't put in place uh, reforms. So that's your step one is to gather the material. What would be the logical step two in that process? You know, to hear from some of the pivotal uh, witnesses. I, I still, you know, looking back, you know, at Watergate, the big value from Watergate was that the public understood what was at stake. And it wasn't because they read a report. It's because they listened to witnesses. And to your point, you know, to the point about radio show hosts in the South saying that would an innocent man have a right to protect himself from this? Well, if you're just reading the text of this and the back and forth on both sides, that's one thing. But if you hear witnesses under oath talk about you know what the Russians were doing, what the Trump campaign was not doing and telling the FBI, and what the president was doing to lie and cover this up, I think it will make the country more aware about what our adversaries uh, can do and also uh, you know what level of conduct we would want out of a president. You're running for president, though, right? And aren't you worried? I mean, during the Clinton days, investigating Clinton backfired on the Republicans. Aren't Didn't you worried that the Republicans? I mean, I mean, I'm just setting aside. We shouldn't do what they do. But I mean, the Republicans in 2000, they won the White House. They won the House. They won the Senate. I mean, how can you say it backfired on the Republicans? What I'm saying is when it right. became the, the investigative culture, which you have the risk of doing, of the Democrats becoming investigating like crazy, the American people sometimes look and say, you guys don't get it. You know, we were worried about our jobs and not all these damn investigations. Aren't you worried about that as a candidate? Yeah. Well, and again, I, again I'm not endorsing what the Republicans did. I'm just saying it, it certainly did not politically backfire on them in 2000. I look at this as a responsibility to protect the country, to protect future elections. And also, look, I can walk and chew gum. I can not only, you know, walk and chew gum in the Congress and do the investigations that are necessary and, you know, advocate for gun safety legislation democratic reforms, prescription drug reforms, but I'm also running for president and so and raising two kids under two. So, you know, if you want something done, ask a busy person is what my mom would say. So I'm I'm not worried and I'll I'll never apologize for believing that we have to make sure these elections belong to us and never again can we allow a campaign to bring itself so close to an adversary and not tell law enforcement uh, as approaches are being made. But Congressman, how exactly do you do that on the on the campaign trail in your capacity as a 2020 contender dealing with the fact that Americans are, for example, far more concerned about losing their health care than this investigation down the line looking forward? I mean, do you de-emphasize, in a sense, the Mueller investigation on the trail? You know, I, on the trail, I tell people the reason I, I care so much about what the Russians did is I believe they, one, of course, wanted the transactional benefit from Donald Trump. They got reduced sanctions. They got us to pull out of Syria. He, you know, just trashes NATO left and right. But what they were really doing, their primary objective was to reduce our standing in the world by getting rid of or tearing down the idea of America, that we are a country where if you work hard, no matter who you are, who you love, it can add up to you doing better and dreaming bigger. And if they can take that idea away from being true, then Russians may not ask for that in Moscow. And they may not say, hey, 
we want to have the opportunity you have in America. We don't want a top floor oligarchy economy where only the benefits of the economy go to the top floor and everyone else gets crumbs. They wanted equivalence out of that. And that's why I care so much is because I benefited from a capitalist economy where I was the first in the family to go to college. My parents' hard work added up to something. I don't want us to look more like Russia. I want us to be in America where there's more opportunity for more people. And so it's ironic that this president is the one who says that Democrats are for socialism. He's actually for autocracy, and I'm trying to stop us from looking like that. But how concerned are you about meddling in the in the 2020 election? Do you do you find do you think the U.S. is vulnerable in any way? You mentioned earlier, Chris was talking about how um, divided the country is. You've said you've enacted legislation duty to protect, but is Congress just too polarized to enact legislation to protect the country from uh, Russia and China? And and does that concern you for 2020, the fact that there could be meddling in the election? Most importantly, we just have to overwhelm the vote that it can't be denied. But uh, we can make sure that as we have a budget uh, negotiation in the fall, that the election security funds that were zeroed out uh, by the Republicans uh, in the last Congress are put back in place so states have election security capabilities, but also just having a conversation with the country, you know, using the power to hold hearings and make the country aware of the weaponization of social media. That will also allow people to be better aware as uh, these interference campaigns are run. But at the end of the day, if you don't have a president directing the intelligence community to counter our adversaries, yes, there's still going to be vulnerabilities. But I'm not going to overemphasize those vulnerabilities because I, I don't want people to not go vote because they think there's vulnerabilities. I want everyone to go and vote and then elect a Congress, a Senate, and a president that will protect us in the future. All right. So I, I want to play out because you, you, you raise an interesting point about the American public may be persuaded if they start to hear directly from witnesses. You're one of the few people in America who actually has gotten to speak with witnesses in person. Who did you speak with in all, in all the interviews you did on your committee work, that you think if the American people just heard from him or from her, they might be persuaded that this is something they should take more seriously? Well, there were a number of witnesses. I, I think in the way that people lied also could be telling. You know, just be, a witness doesn't necessarily have to you know, tell the truth to be helpful. Uh, there were a number of witnesses who I thought went out of their way you know, to protect uh, the president. And, and that is also telling and, and, and jarring. Um, there were people, and I'm not, I'm not going to name names here because I'm going to let Mr. Schiff release the transcripts and they will speak for themselves. But there were also people very close to him who had very deep recall uh, of events that occurred and they were very helpful uh, to our investigation. So um, I, I just think having witnesses front and center, as we did with Michael Cohen, you know, on the oversight committee, that was helpful for the country to understand who this person is as a businessman, as a candidate, as a president. And there's a lot more witnesses like him who saw a lot of disturbing things. There's one person that the Mueller team did not hear from, and that's the president himself. I don't know if you've had time to look through what they wrote explaining why they didn't, but it's clear that they wanted to interview the president and concluded that they simply didn't have the time or legal breadth to to make that happen. Was that a mistake, do you think? Should they have talked to the president? You know, I, I'm, I'm not going to second guess 
uh, Bob Mueller, I think it would have been helpful, and, and they acknowledge it would have been helpful for the president, you know, to testify considering the gaps uh, that existed. Um, I also don't think we should take that off the table for Congress. If, if you recall, uh, presidents have testified Good luck with to that. Congress We would before. all watch that. Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, if George Bush came forward after September 11th uh, and, and, you know, met with uh, the independent uh, commission, uh, Gerald Ford, after the pardons, uh, was interviewed by Congress. I mean, again, I just come from this. If, if you have nothing to hide, if you did nothing wrong, then what is the damn reason that you wouldn't want to be open with the American people? He just acts guilty. And but do you think me, people, but do you, don't you think the American people want wrong. someone like that? I mean, obviously, a, a colleague of ours, Terry Moran, uh, was uh, kind of citing that people maybe like that side of his personality, and that's why he got elected, that he's a bully and he's crude. And I mean, he won. I mean, uh, and and not one Republican, not one Republican has come out, uh, uh, you know, championing this Mueller report. There was Chris Christie on our podcast. Well, Chris Christie said it wasn't a hoax, but he still said it was a good day for the president. So not really one Republican. And, And so do you think he's Yes, other people could say it's a portrait of lies and how terrible this is, and, and it's clear yeah. there's lie after lie. What is it about him that people are staying lock, stock, and barrel right behind him? What do you think? Well, he, he is. I think he's, he is a, a vocal uh, minority behind him, and, and it, it puts people uh, in fear of losing their job. And to me, that's what's so frustrating is I, I see people who tell me privately that they know what's going on is wrong, yeah, one woman on the Intelligence Committee told me in the last Congress she wanted to support the independent commission legislation I had, but she just couldn't do it because she said, in her words, she'd have her head lopped off because of his supporters. And to me, that's people who are saying they're afraid of losing their job. And so Mitch McConnell's afraid of losing his job, huh? Or no? I mean, yeah, I've been covering Washington politics for a long time, and I'm actually really surprised that and, no and one has broken ranks. Project that on all of them, you know, I, I don't, I don't think they're it's so monolithic. I, I, I think a good majority of people who do know better are afraid of losing their job. And what's stunning to me is, I would hope if you're in Congress, you're otherwise employable, and this isn't the only job you could get, and that maybe doing the right thing would be more important than keeping your job, or that you would be rewarded for doing the right thing. But that's what I've concluded from the people who I think know better. I feel like I'm on the right side, and so many of us are on the right side of just saying, this is wrong, and like you can't allow this to happen in our country, or at least we should try and stop it. And if, if, if I lose my job for it, fine. I'm not, I mean, I, I understand it's unpopular with some people in my district, but I'm willing to lose my job to do what I think is right, rather than to go along with this president and do something that's wrong. It's interesting to me that you 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 don't take impeachment off the table just given what we've heard from from the speaker. Do you see a scenario where the through public hearings and other measures you could build support for that kind of action? Is there time for that? Oh sure, sure. There, there, there's certainly time. It's just a matter of you know what is the will you know of the Congress. I mean to, to do it, and, and, and you know it, it could run into recess weeks, run into the August recess. I mean there's there's certainly time, but again, first things first. I think hearing from Mueller is going to really ratchet up the public's awareness. And, you know, for people who, you know, rightfully, I think, say, even if you impeach him, you'll never be able to remove him. The Republicans won't do the right thing. I think the, the first waypoint here, let Mueller lay it out. Let's hear his voice 
describe the conduct and see where that leaves Republicans and where that leaves the public if people are worried about you know the political fallout of this for me the test is just can we allow this to happen and do nothing and then set a precedent for a future president that we would be willing to live with that's that's the hardest question for me to struggle with i I really don't give much thought to what the political consequences are congressman i know you're not taking impeachment off the table in any way but what what do you say to your democratic colleagues who say this is the only answer that impeachment is the only answer to this they, they, they may be right. I mean, Donald Trump has to be removed from office. It's just a matter of does Congress do it or do the voters do it? I have more faith in the voters doing it, uh, but I, they may be right that, that that is the only answer. Again, I'm just saying I want to hear from Bob Mueller uh, because I think that's going to really help the public understand uh, what this report was about. And, you know, I, I, you know, I've got two kids under two, as I said. I'm running around the country. It took me hours to read through the report. Most Americans aren't going to have time to read through the report. I think they will watch Bob Mueller uh, and, you know, seen as believing in many senses. Were you satisfied with the report? Do you feel like it was a success? Oh, are yeah. You, are you... Yeah. So do you think Barr deserves Bill Barr? Do you, Bill Barr deserves credit for putting it out and making public? He didn't have to. No, I, I think Bill Barr should resign. I think he can either be the president's lawyer or America's lawyer. And he's chosen... Uh, to mischaracterize the report, he's made. He said there was no evidence of collusion, which is false. There's, it did not meet the beyond a reasonable doubt standard. But there was 200 pages of evidence of collusion. He also said that uh, the Attorney General Office of Legal Counsel opinion about not indicting a sitting president had nothing to do with Mueller's decision to not indict for obstruction. And Mueller's report says that had a lot to do with his decision, and that's why he thinks Congress should have a role to play. And Barr said that he did not believe that the Mueller finding was that Congress had a role to play. And again, he he started the press conference by saying, as the president declared, there was no collusion. Again, he's not the president's lawyer. He's supposed to be an independent lawyer who is just impartially presenting the facts. I don't think anyone got the sense that that was, that's what but he, he was could saying. have kept and, the whole report secret, though. He could have just gone away and had a, uh, and you wouldn't have gotten this report until 2020. 12% of it is secret. <laughs> if, you count, if you add it up, about 12% of the report uh, is secret. You know, about an eighth of the report has uh, been kept from the public. Shouldn't the White House get any credit, though, for no executive privilege claims at all? Well, they didn't need executive privilege. They had Bill Barr blacking out. Well, they could have. They could have the cited report. privilege over some of it, and it could have been more redacted than it was. I, I don't really give them much credit for anything. I mean, they, they, you see just a, a den of liars uh, from that report. And no, I, I, I give them zero credit. <laughs> All right. So big, big takeaways. You sat down, you read the report. If you were now out in, let's say, Iowa, to name a state, and you were going to sit down with somebody and they said, uh, Congressman, what explain to me what it is in the report that bothers you so much? Is there Are there yeah. specific things in there that really rubbed you wrong? Yeah. It, it is, as I'm standing here, there's an MSNBC reporter interviewing someone in Council Bluffs about the Mueller report, and the person is upset about what the president did. And I hear, and someone told me in New Hampshire earlier in the week, she said, you tell the Washington press corps that people here care about the Mueller report. It's just that, but, you know, what you're told in Washington is that no one outside Washington cares about what happened, and they do. And what I would 
tell a person in Iowa, what you should care about the most is that this should be a country where your hard work adds up to something. And right now, there are already too many people working paycheck to paycheck, too many people who are just sitting on the top floors benefiting while everyone else works hard and doesn't get by. And we don't we want to change that. And the last way to change that is to have a president who embraces an oligarch economy, who braces an autocrat in Vladimir Putin and who would allow them to continue to try and influence our elections and our way of life. And the way that he attacks the press, the way that he goes above the law, that doesn't help your hard work add up to something. And, and I think that's how you tie the two together in a, in a sincere way that's rooted in the facts. Well, Congressman, it's been great talking to you about this. Thank you so much for Thank taking you. the time off the trail. Talk about this. <laughs> Thank you very much, Congressman. Thank you. All right. Thank you, guys. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. Please be sure to hit subscribe, leave us a rating, or submit a comment. We welcome your feedback. Remember that new episodes drop every Tuesday. Thanks to our producers, Trevor Hastings, Shannon Crawford, Caitlin Fulmer, Emily Rachowski. For John Santucci, Matt Moss, Catherine Falders, and myself, I'm Chris Vlasto, and we'll see you back here next week for another episode of The Investigation. 